the lion, the lion of Judah is roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before him. And our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains. And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Oh, oh, oh. Open up the gates, make way before the King of Kings. Our God who calls to save is here to set the captives free. The Lord Almighty. Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains. Every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Oh, and who can stop the Lord Almighty? And who can stop the Lord Almighty? 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 Who can stop the Lord? The Lion of Judah is roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. And our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin of the world. His blood breaks the chains. And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Oh, every knee. everybody. You're welcome to go ahead and take a seat if you would like. I'd like to welcome you here this morning. My name is Matthew, one of the pastors here at Faith Family Fellowship. So if you're a guest here, if you look right in front of you, there should be a card that looks just like this. If you would, grab it, fill that out, give us the opportunity this week to reach out to you uh, and, and pray for you. And love if you would drop that into the offering basket on your way out this morning. So welcome. 
we have an exciting uh, change in our, our morning gatherings that we're going to start implementing uh, where we are going to try and memorize a verse from the Bible each month. And so this morning we're just going to read it, but it's an exciting opportunity for us together collectively to seek, to consider, and, and put the Lord's Word within our heart. And so Psalm 119.11 says this about memorizing, about hiding the Word of God in our hearts. It says, I have stored up your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so why? Why study? Why memorize? Why commit the words of Scripture to memory? It is so God's Word is chiseled upon our souls, in our minds. We meditate upon it, that it changes us. That it changes our desires, it changes our outlook on life, that God the Spirit then brings it to mind at opportune moments of need, where we need the direction of God, where we need to hear from Him, the Holy Spirit, it, is, it being there, uses it and brings it to mind. I can't tell you how many times the Lord has redirected my, my sinful heart in, in the midst of a situation because of the Word that He had put within me. And so we're going to incorporate this within, within our time together on Sunday mornings. And so the verse we're going to look at is Psalm 19, verse 1. And the whole psalm is wonderful, but we're just going to concentrate on this first verse. So if you would, read it with me. Let's read it twice, out loud, together, and, uh, and that's what we'll start with this morning. All right? Good? Everyone clear? All right. Good. So read with me. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Psalm 19, 1. Let's read it one more time. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Psalm 19, 1. Very good. So, this is a great verse, a great verse to commit to memory. I encourage you to read it again this week, that not just each Sunday morning, but to read it again, to read the whole psalm, and to think about it, to think about what it means, what it's saying, what God inspired these words to mean, how he has provided them to you right now, as they were penned not five years ago. They were penned a long time ago, and he has preserved them so that he would speak to you. So why? What is he saying? Think about it. Think about his word that it would, as Psalm 119 said, it would be hidden within your heart, within your soul, and it would, by God's grace, change you. All right, so let's continue on. I've got another few uh, ministry opportunities to mention to you, Uh, some exciting things going on. We are entering over the next week, not this week, but the following week, a week of prayer. And so we uh, will be taking up an offering in two weeks on Sunday for the Myers-Mallory offering. It's a statewide offering that supports a variety of Southern Baptist uh, agencies and different ministry missions uh, organizations within our state. And so it supports uh, disaster relief, for one, that, that we have seen and that now I'm, I'm certain are employed over in, in Louisiana and Mississippi uh, recovering from Hurricane uh, Hurricane Ida a week ago, and so the uh, this, for instance, that goes to support that ministry. Uh, that the people that go out to the supplies and different um, machinery that is used to minister and to share Christ tangibly 
uh, with people in around the world. And so there is a some guides, I believe they're on the back table, they look like this, uh, that are, uh, that, that's a direction for praying. So this week, just making you aware of it, the following week, we'll talk about it again on Sunday, but th- this begins this coming Sunday for a week of prayer leading up to the offering. So I just want to encourage you, grab one of these either this week or next week and pray for this uh, this ministry for this offering, and specifically what God would lead you to give, uh, or if God would lead you to give. Uh, the goal is not a amount of money for us. The goal is that you would seek the Lord and seek Him of what He would do and how He would use you and how He would have you steward what He has given you. So the goal is to, to seek God and respond to Him uh, in, in this offering and in these, these ministry opportunities. So one more. Uh, a few of our ladies have recently uh, been partnering and working along a fostering together Gulf Coast ministry that is in Mobile that is seeking to uh, serve families over here in Baldwin County. And so there is a room in the back of the gym where it has been uh, serving as a collection site uh, for donations to go to this ministry, uh, fostering together Gulf Coast that supports foster families and adoptive families, I want to encourage you to prayerfully pray for the ministry, pray for our partnership with them, and maybe uh, if, if you have some time and you would like to help and like to serve, uh, talk to Miss Jennifer Walker, who is, uh, is the primary person uh, partnering with, working with them, uh, to be able to help in that ministry opportunity. So just want to make you aware of that and encourage you uh, to prayerfully consider serving in that fashion, and as we uh, pray towards returning to additional meeting times, additional small group times on Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, this will create lots of opportunities for service, lots of opportunities to follow the Lord in serving in various aspects around the church body as we meet together. I want to encourage you to pray for how the Lord would use you. The Lord has called us to serve one another, has called us to be active in ministering to one, one to another, that we are here to encourage one another, build each other up, edify each other, and help one another. And so I encourage you to prayerfully seek how the Lord would use you to serve in, in one form or function of, of the local church, us meeting together. And so all of this, let's pray. Let's pray, and then uh, and we will continue to uh, sing, sing a bit and continue in worship. So if you would pray with me at this time. Father God, I thank you for this morning and this opportunity together. God, I thank you for the variety of, of ministry opportunities that you have put before us, that uh, we, we have the opportunity to give to the Myers-Mallory offering and the many people that are benefited and that go in service to to the world, to the people of this country and of those across the globe who are in desperate need of your grace. And so first and foremost, they go not just to meet physical needs, but to represent you and to display Christ to the watching world. And so, Father, I ask your help that you would give us direction for what you would have us to give towards that ministry, and Lord, also how you would have us to pray towards that end. Uh, Lord, would you help us to truly partner with other Southern Baptists uh, in this state to 
partner spiritually in prayer that, Lord, we would seek the, uh, the sharing of your gospel and the growth of your kingdom in, in not just our community, but in this, this state at large. And so, Father, I ask that, God, you would direct us and direct our steps there. Lord, I thank you for those who are serving uh, in, in the area of fostering and adoption, Lord. I ask your grace upon those families and upon those efforts, Lord, who are seeking to minister to these families and these some families who are, who are broken and suffering within there, and Lord, those who are trying to, uh, trying to be light in a dark world, Lord. I ask that, God, you, Lord, would fill your people. You, God, would fill those you have sent in service, Lord, with your spirit, with your word, and that, God, you would strengthen them and you would help us, Lord, as your people. God, to, to encourage and to build up and to reach out to them, to encourage them and to help. Lord, would you direct us of how you would have us to help, how you would have us to be involved, how you would help have us be salt and light in this world in those areas, God. Lord, I ask your blessing, Lord, on the people who are in Louisiana, in Mississippi, Lord, and, and up the path of Ida, God, that you, Lord, would, would provide. You would provide for the efforts for those, uh, Lord, disaster relief agencies who are out there and working, that, God, you would use them. God, you would help uh, protect people and take care of people through them, and that, God, your people would exalt you in that midst, God. That, God, people would come to know you because of, of those you have there. And so, Father, would you be glorified, Lord, would you use us? Would you meet with us this morning? God, may we hear from you in your word that, God, we would see you high and lifted up and you would draw us, Lord, to you. In the name of Christ, I pray, asking all these things. Amen. Let's stand as we continue to worship this song. Man of sorrows, Lamb of
singing when the evening comes. 
creator of the universe, God, that we can learn more about you. God, I pray for Pastor Joel, 
as he brings the word that you will give us ears to hear, God, and hearts to understand that we will leave this building better equipped to be your church, God, better equipped to love you and to serve you. Lord, thank you so much for this time. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. And thank you for leading us in worship. Let me encourage you with the uh, proclamation of God's Word that uh, ultimately we're not just knowing more about Him, but we want to know Him more intimately and more deeply. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5? This will be our uh, third and, and I think final uh, session in 2 uh, Corinthians 5 as we're talking about our union with Christ. Uh, I have, uh, I, I promised you back in May after I had oral surgery and I preached that Sunday and shouldn't have, and that the next time around I was not going to preach that following Sunday and I'm having some more oral surgery on Thursday. So Matthew is going to be preaching next Sunday. So uh, look forward to hearing from, uh, from the Lord through him and... Uh, and because I, I was talking out of my mind last time, I just, just you know, who I don't know what I said, but uh, you guys are gracious and kind to listen. Um, we need to pray for the Perry family. Uh, I know you have seen the prayer requests that have come out uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, nearly two weeks ago. Vicky's sister passed away from COVID, and then uh, yesterday, uh, Shane's sister passed away from COVID. So. Uh, Husband and wife both have lost a sibling within two weeks of each other. And so we need to be in prayer for them. And then Ernie uh, Billings, uh, we, we, he'll be gone next Sunday as well. Uh, Jennifer's getting married on 9-11. Yeah, that's a memorable moment. Uh, and so he'll be doing that. But he shared with me earlier that his uh, nephew's wife, who is six months uh, pregnant it has with COVID and uh, is uh, on oxygen in the hospital right now and so we want to pray for them as well so uh, uh, let's bow together in a word of prayer before we read God's word and Lord uh, we do come this morning uh, again recognizing our great need for you Lord what we what we don't have we ask for you to give to us and uh, what we don't know we ask you to teach us today and, and Father, what we are not, we do ask you to make us by the grace of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we do want to pray for these two families in particular, uh, those that are grieving, Lord, that they might find uh, peace. I pray for the Perrys and their families that they would find a peace that passes understanding, uh, that would guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus during this time. And then, uh, Lord, for, for Ernie's niece and uh, this uh, unborn child, we commit uh, them into your hand and ask, Lord, that you would do uh, that which, uh, Lord, uh, you often use medicine and tools and machines, but, Lord, ultimately, uh, we know that uh, healing is ultimately in your hands, and we would ask for your healing. And then, Lord, as we come to the Word this morning, uh, help us to listen and to obey uh, what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, so if you have a copy of God's Word, uh, I'm going to begin reading in verse 16 of uh, the fifth chapter of Second Corinthians. 
and uh, reading from the English Standard Version. So you follow along as I read. He says, So from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. So he's giving us this idea of seeing things through spiritual eyes. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all of this is from God. And uh, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave to us the ministry of of reconciliation that is so he explains it in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation therefore we are ambassadors for Christ God making his appeal through us so we implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God for our sakes, he, the Father, made him the Son to be sin who knew no sin, that in him, that is Christ, we might become the righteousness of God in him. We're talking about our union with Christ, being in Christ. And what are the, what are the benefits and the blessings that uh, we have by being in union with Christ. And we're talking about a union that's not a temporary union. Uh, it's a permanent union. It is an eternal union. We are born again of the Spirit of God. We're to be made new creations in Christ Jesus. And so uh, we're kind of talking about, as we look at this last part, this greatest exchange. It is the greatest exchange mankind could ever understand. And that is we give Christ our wicked sinfulness and he imparts to us his righteousness and his holiness. Over the last couple of weeks we looked at uh, six different contrasts and I won't, refer, I won't review those this morning for time's sake. But we'll look at the final three and there are probably others in the passage but uh, we'll look at final three that I want to bring out this morning. And the first one is the idea of regeneration. That is, we're no longer old but new. We're no longer dead, but we are alive. And we see this in verse 17. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. And we're not talking about just new in time. There, there's two different words in the, in the text of the uh, New Testament for new and uh, one has to do with chronology, new as in time. But then there's a word that means new as in kind. It's altogether different. Uh, and that's what he is using here. We're not talking about, well, uh, we just have an, a, a start over. Because if you and I just started over, we would make the same mess out of our lives that we've done with what we have. Because we are sinful by nature. We are broken because of our sin we're dead in our trespasses and sins but he says he makes us a whole new kind of creation a whole new being you are made to be a new person in Christ Jesus and uh, we we could use the word uh, reorientation that is we have a whole new reorientation from 
the, the flesh to the spirit. Uh, but the word reorientation in uh, Webster's dictionary says it is the action of changing the focus or direction of something. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're, we're not just talking about having a new outlook on spiritual things. We're talking about being made different. And the reason that we see Christ and his world and everything that uh, we see as followers of Jesus Christ is because you've been regenerated if you are in Christ Jesus. Now, what does it mean to be regenerated? Well, it means to be born again. It means to be born of God, born of the Spirit of, of God. It is, it is really this idea of being in Christ now. You are in him and in him, Colossians 1 tells us, you are complete. You're lacking in nothing. Now, I realize when you go to the mirror, you may do like I do. Think, I'm not quite all I ought to be. I see the person in the mirror and I go, well, you, you certainly are incomplete. Uh, you're lacking in a lot of things. And yet when we come to the mirror of the Word of God and we look upon the Lord Jesus Christ, we find in Him everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. Our completeness is not in us. Our completeness is in Him. Are you in Christ? If you are in Christ, you have been regeneration. You've been regenerated. Now, we're familiar with the term. I've referred to it in the past uh, recently, but I, I want you to look at John's gospel in the third chapter. You know the story about Jesus and Nicodemus. And uh, he came to him uh, by night. I think I addressed this two weeks ago. Uh, Jesus uh, says to Nicodemus in verse 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again... He cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus asked the illogical question. How can a man be born again? Uh, can he go into his mother's womb a second time and be born again? And the answer is what? No. Absolutely. That's insane. It, it can't happen. And then verse 6, Jesus says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is is spirit. So regeneration happens by the work of God. It happens by the work of the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, you and I don't decide to become more spiritual. Okay? We don't, we don't turn over a new spiritual leaf, as it were, and say, I'm going to start over again and I'm going to do it right this time. God must do something to us and in us, and ultimately, He unites us by faith with His Son, Jesus Christ. And so, uh, th this happens uh, by God from our point of view uh, as the passage continues on. In verse 12, it says, If I told you of earthly things and you don't believe, he's talking to Nicodemus now. Nicodemus is a... Jewish rabbi, I told you of earthly things and you don't believe. How can you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? 
No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven. And who is that? That's the Son of Man. In other words, you can't get to heaven. This ladder to heaven is, is only a one-way trip. You can't get there. I can't get there. I, I, I don't look at, at uh, ring number one and uh, find out, you know, there's, there's 23 steps to God. There, there's not. There is repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but regeneration is the working of God. So he says, this is how it is, verse 14. Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, and so must the Son of Man be lifted up. We, we understand this idea. That, verse 15, whoever believes in him may have, what? Eternal life. So from our point of view, we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and what do we have? Eternal life. From God's point of view, he has to work regeneration in us because we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And dead people can't respond. So we see this great exchange, do we not, of this old life for new life, a life outside of Christ that's now in Christ through this great truth of regeneration. God transforms us from within by regeneration. Uh, we, we understand this concept of metamorphosis, right? All, all you children ought to know that word because uh, I know they're still doing this in school uh, even though it was a, a long time ago when we did it where uh, invariably at some grade level we had a, a caterpillar who had... Uh, was in its cocoon, and uh, we, we got to watch and observe it. If you haven't done it, YouTube it, and you can watch it. And we see this ugly, nasty-looking green worm that spits out what we as kids used to call tobacco, you know, whenever you go fishing, and you, never mind. Anyway, it is an it is, is ugly-looking little thing, and what comes out? What comes out of that cocoon? A beautiful butterfly. And we call, and science calls that metamorphosis. Well, guess what the Bible calls it? Metamorphosis. It's transformation. It's that which is on the inside comes out. It's altogether new. It's, it's, it's not like it was before. And Titus 3, 5 says, He saved us not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. So being in Christ, you in union with Him have been made new by regeneration. But as a believer, there's also this concept of reconciliation. Now that word is all throughout this, uh, these few verses that are here. But uh, look again in verses 18 through 20 with me. And it says, and all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Now, now think about why do we need to be reconciled? Uh, we get reconciled to enemies. Uh, we, have a, we have a, my wife and I have been married uh, uh, 43 years now, and, and we've never had a fight in all those years. 
Father, forgive me for I have sinned. Uh, uh, but every once in a while, we'll have a disagreement. And uh, every once in a while, it'll get very disagreeable. And <laughs> when, it, when it does, you know what has to happen? I have to always apologize to her. <laughs> it's because I'm always in the wrong, okay? <laughs> but we call that reconciliation. It is, it's, it's being reconciled with one who's been made an enemy. And that's what has happened for the believer, the child of God. We were once enemies with God, and God reconciled us to himself. Now, by the way, if you want to read a lot in theology, there's a lot of arguing that goes on among theologians as to whether or not uh, it's a two-way street here uh, to the idea of God being reconciled to us would mean that God would somehow have to change and God does not change he is the same yesterday today and forever so in that sense no uh, God is not reconciled to us and yet he is I do believe I think it's what we refer to as a and we were using this word earlier this morning, oxymoron. It, it's something that's, uh, uh, it's, it's almost, it doesn't make sense that, that God can reconcile himself to us because we are sinners. And what, does, what is God's attitude towards sin? He hates sin. And we become lovely to God through what? The fact that he has regenerated us and we are now made to be children of God. And we're now what James refers to as the friend of God. The friend of God. And you see, reconciliation from God's point of view really it doesn't make sense. We're the offenders. And so as the offender, we should be the ones that have to go make the reconciliation but the reality is we can't reconcile ourselves to God we are hope, uh, hopelessly dead in our sins it, it's kind of like a river that's flowing upstream it, it, you don't expect that right or like a bank calling you up and saying uh, we're going to pay off your loan for you you think that'll ever happen or how about the IRS setting an appointment with you and saying, we've been reviewing your taxes for the last 20 years and we've discovered we've overcharged you a million dollars in money as well as, you know, if, if you owe them money, you have to pay penalties. And so they say, since we owe you money, we're going to pay you penalties. Now, that, that just does not happen. Well, guess what does not happen from deity? Deity doesn't reconcile himself to us. And yet that's exactly what God has done in Christ. He has reconciled us unto himself. He has brought us to himself. Irenaeus. I know you're familiar with Irenaeus. He, uh, he lived between 130 A.D. and 202 A.D. Okay, He was a bishop in Lyon, France. And uh, he writes, he wrote this uh, back uh, in the second century. The Father himself infinite becomes finite through his Son. For he has accommodated himself to our little measure 
lest our minds be overwhelmed by the immensity of his glory. Now those are high and lofty words. What does that mean? It means you and I could not know God except through Jesus Christ. Except by him coming to us. Except by the river reversing its course and going the other way. God is holy and we're separate from God and yet God became man so that you and I might be reconciled unto God. Uh, John Calvin who wrote uh, in the 1500's he talked about the significance of Christ becoming flesh and he said uh, uh, he Christ is the image of the invisible God to warn us that unless God confronts us in Christ we cannot come to know him and be saved. So even if the most, and listen to what he said, this is back in the 1500s, even if the most devout Muslim or Jew were to proclaim at the top of their lungs that the creator of heaven and earth is God, while repudiating Christ, that one substitutes an idol in place of the true God. We mentioned last week about the exclusivity of Christ. That's not a, exclusivity is not a word we use a lot. What do we mean? There is no other way. There are not two ways, three ways, ten ways. You can, you can claim from the, the, the mountaintops that you believe that God is real, but if you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no reconciliation. We are reconciled to God through what Christ did on the cross for us. That is our only hope. That is the gospel. That's the message that we as the church hold on to. It doesn't get any more simple than that. And it really doesn't get any more complex than that. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And it's it's such a tremendous truth. Christ is the only mediator that by which you and I can know God. 1 Timothy 2.5 says there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man and it's the man, Jesus Christ. Uh, this morning, um, my wife was reading an article from uh, Gospel Coalition and I, I tell her, I said, don't, read, don't read anything to me on Sunday morning because I, my mind's on my message to quit doing that and she did it. It's not always my fault that we get into these arguments, is it? (laughs) And as she was reading it, the story that she was reading was about a meeting that had taken place that involved some Afghan pastors, evangelical pastors, who back a month and a half ago knew the transition that was about to take place in Afghanistan. And they decided that the best thing they could do for their people and the generation to follow them and the generation to follow them was they went to the government and they registered themselves and their churches as official Christian people. They marked themselves out knowing that there might and would be a cost to their decision to identify themselves as born-again 
reconciled followers of Jesus Christ. And I got, as, she, as she read that to me, I, the question had to go through my mind. Would I do the very same thing? I'd like to say absolutely. I hope and pray that if the, I was in the same situation, I would do the same. That you would do the same. And now this is what they're receiving. They're receiving letters and emails from the Taliban that are saying, we know who you are, we know where you live, and we're coming after you. Here are people who have been reconciled to God who know that there is not two ways to heaven. They can't simply just bow down and say, I'll, I'll lay it all down and I'll become a follower of Allah. Because they understand there is one mediator between God and man. And it is the man, Jesus Christ. And Christ came in time and in space. And he took upon himself the, the reproach of mankind. He took our blame, our shame, our sin. He shed his precious blood on the cross of Calvary. And Hebrews tells us that he took it into the spiritual heavenly, uh, uh, heavenly of heavenlies, into the holy place, and poured out his precious blood on that spiritual altar, making satisfaction for our sin that whoever believes on the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Now, my friend, that's, that's reconciliation. But number three, there is substitution. There is substitution. In verse 21, we're very familiar with the uh, verse. Uh, when Pastor Jay was here, I think it was Pastor Jay's favorite verse to quote uh, while he was up here uh, leading in worship. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, the great contrast is God doesn't keep His righteousness to Himself. What does He do? He, he gives it at no cost to all who would call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. We see this example in uh, the life of Abraham, for example. Abraham moves from being a pagan to the friend of God. Genesis 5, 16, it says, And he believed God and it was put to his account for righteousness. It's repeated again in Romans 4, 3 and Galatians 3, 6. Same verse. James 2, 23 reports it as well. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he became or he was called a friend of God. And so when we talk about uh, this substitution that takes place, Christ died in our place so that we who were once enemies of God are now called what? Friends of God. Friend. I mean, think about it. I, I was talking with somebody the other day about a person who I've come to believe no longer has respect for me. And, uh, and yet when I encounter them, they continue to call me sir. And I said, I said to Jan, I said, next time they, I, I uh, encounter them and they call me sir, I'm going to say, don't call me sir anymore. Because sir is a term of respect and if you don't respect me because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ uh, then don't call me sir just call me Joel you, you can call me Mr. Faircloth if you want to well what we're talking about all of a sudden now we're we're a whole together different person in Christ Jesus through this substitution you and I are now called 
intimately friend. Friend of God. In Colossians uh, 2.10 it says, And in Him you have been made complete. Our union with Christ completes us. Some of you listened a couple of weeks ago when I read from uh, Pilgrim's Progress. And uh, I'm going to read from it this morning. Okay, instead of putting it off to the night. You might remember John Bunyan wrote in the 1500s an allegory. It's a story uh, that has meaningful names. It's uh, picturesque. It's his dream, and it's about a man by the name of Christian who makes his journey toward the celestial city, which is heaven. And I want to read what he said in the third stage of this story. He says, And in my dream, the highway on which Christian was traveling was fenced in on both sides with a wall called salvation. So you get the picture? You have to understand, Christian is now, he's not a Christian yet. That's his name, but he has not become a believer. He has this big burden on his back. It's tied to him, and it's the burden of his sin. He is dead in his trespasses and sin. But now he's on the way called salvation. And in that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up walls and ramparts for, for security. That's a quote from Isaiah 26.1. So the burdened Christian ran up this way with great difficulty because of the load on his back. And he ran like this until he came to a place where the road climbed up a small hill. At the top of the hill stood a cross. And a little below at the bottom was a stone tomb. So he says, in my dream, just as Christian came up to the cross, his burden loosened. It loosened from his shoulders and it fell off of his back. And it tumbled and continued to do so down the hill until it came to the mouth of the tomb where it fell inside and was seen no more. And God will remember our sins No more. Christian was so glad and overjoyed and his excitement, he said, he has given me rest by his sorrow and life by his death. Substitution. Substitution. So Christian stood still for a while and looked with astonishment at the cross. It surprised him that the sight of the cross released him from his burden. Look unto Jesus and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. So he looked again and as tears ran down his cheeks, he quotes from 1 Peter 2, 24. He himself bore our sins and his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. So now as he stood looking and weeping, behold, Three shining ones. These are to be understood as angels. Angels approached him and greeted him with this statement. Peace be unto you. The first shining one said to him, Your sins are forgiven. Isaiah 53, 5 says, He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The second one stripped Christian of his rags and the clothing that was upon him and gave him a completely new change of clothes and he spoke and he said to those who were standing before him saying remove the filthy garments from him 
And again he said to him, See, I have taken your iniquity away from you and will clothe you with festal robes. Zechariah 3.4 And then the third. The third angel came and placed a mark on Christian's forehead. Because the scripture says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation... And having believed, you were sealed in Him, in Christ, with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians 1, 13. And He gave Him a scroll with a seal upon it. And the third shining one said, look on this as you run. And when you arrive at the gate, you deliver this to the one at the celestial city. And with that, the shining ones went away. It's just a beautiful picture of what we just talked about. It's, the, it's this great and wonderful story of what God has done in Christ. He has reconciled us to himself. Have you been regenerated? Have you been born again of the Spirit of God? I can hear some of those old uh, uh, timers that in the hills of Arkansas when I pastored there uh, they never said uh, born again. They always said born again. Have you been born again? And, and, you know, I'd hear it over and over and over again. And, and you know what? The question is, have you been born again? Have you been born from above? Have you been reconciled unto God through Jesus Christ, your Lord? And if you have, you have been reconciled to God and there has been a substitution made for you of the greatest exchange of all, and that is our sin for His righteousness. And we are clothed by Him, and the certainty that we will be there is the fact that He has marked us. You know, we make a lot in our day about the mark of the beast, the 666. We talk about it, and we question what does it mean. You know what? I really don't care because I've been marked. By Christ. I have his mark upon me. Not by anything that I have done. But by his promise. He says I've given you a new name. You got a new name that nobody knows but him. And he'll call you by name just as he did Lazarus. And one day I'll go into the grave. And he'll call my name forth. And I'll come bursting forth out of that grave. Because of the grace of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. You and I have so much to celebrate. We have so much to be thankful for. The tears should be running down our cheeks as they were for young Christian. As, as the burden was rolled off. And to remember as we look unto the cross. As we look unto Jesus. There is freedom and salvation in him and in him alone. Oh what a mighty God we serve. And my friends, it doesn't matter what happens, whether it be through a plague or whether it be through a terrorist group, we have a Savior who is our conqueror. And He has said to you and to me, you are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's bow together in prayer. Oh, Father, we come to this day, Lord, hearing of brothers and sisters in Christ who were not ashamed to say, I belong to Jesus. And Lord, the greatness of their boast is not because of anything they have done. 
Because what they have proclaimed is what we proclaim. And we, are, we are reconciled unto God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He became sin for us, who knew no sin that we might become righteous through Him. And oh, like Abraham of old, we have believed in God. And it has been put to our account for righteousness so that we can be called the friend of God. And so, Lord, help us to stand, stand tall and unashamed of Christ, our Savior. And to know that in Him we have everything we need. In Him we are complete. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.